welcome to this Practice Power Podcast. This podcast is designed to improve the success of FAs and RIAs worldwide. In this episode, what I want to do is spend the entire time giving you some proven tips, tools, strategies to make your 2016 business plan your best one yet, your most powerful one, the one that's really going to propel you into that quote-unquote next level in the upcoming year. So, here we are on a very nice Friday morning here and uh, sitting here reflecting on the year. Basically, other than a few more phone calls today, I am done with my year. Uh, an intense uh, time. Uh, every time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's business planning season here. And, uh, you know, it's been a nice journey and it's time to put a bow on the year, like I hope so many of you are doing, by the way. And looking forward to now figuring out what's in store for 2016. Now... Before I get into some strategies, let's kind of take a moment and talk about the state of your union. The reality is that all of you are going to fall into one of three broad-based categories as you exit 2015. Number one is you had a fantastic year. You, you achieved your top goals. You may have even exceeded your top-line goals. Uh, you're sitting back pretty proud of yourself. And then that little voice inside says, Wow. How am I going to do this again next year? How am, I going to, how am I going to top it, right? And that's a common thing, and we're going to talk about that. The second uh, you know, position you might be in is you had an okay year. So maybe hit some of your goals, some didn't happen, it wasn't a disaster, you know you could have done better, you know you didn't kind of do exactly everything you, that you set out to do, but you know, it wasn't a failure. So in that case, you got to sit there and say to yourself, okay, what tweaks what shifts, what changes, what, you know, where do I need to get better, be more focused, execute, right, at a higher level? And we'll talk about that. And then the third scenario, the third situation is, hey, 2015 was not a good year for you. Now, whether that was, uh, you know, uh, how do I say this, uh, self-sabotaged and you just gave up or your psychology wasn't good and you just didn't do the things that, you know, you needed to do. Or maybe there were some outside forces. Maybe you had a, some things going on in your family or personally. You know, health issues, distractions, things like that, that, you know, in essence, took your eye off the ball. Now, what I won't take as an excuse is I don't want to hear about the markets. I don't want to hear, well, you know, Joe, in August, you know, everything kind of just came crashing down. Hey, that's a story you tell yourself so that you don't have to take responsibility. So if that's a story, I guarantee you your entire career has been about that story. All right, so three places. Now, let's talk business planning. So, you know, I've been, I've been working with my clients on business planning for literally a quarter century. Over the past 15 years, I've, I've always hosted a multi-day event. Uh, you know, we put the whole process up on practice power, all the modules. And uh, because I believe it's important, you know, one of the things I realized early in my coaching career, going back to the early 90s, is that at that time, business planning in this industry was really about a, a, glorified, a glorified spreadsheet with how many new clients, how much production, how, many, how much new money, and it was just kind of, this was, it was more of a uh, academic exercise. It was really more about just kind of putting some numbers together that really had no meaning, there was no emotional juice behind it, and away you go. And so over literally decades, you know, I've developed this process, which now we've got eight modules on. And what I want to do is let's talk about how to plan. Now again, whether you use my system, which I love you to do, or you're going to just kind of do your own thing, and whether it's a legal pad or you're going to get the old Excel file out and, and deal with that, let me share with you a couple things. Okay, so first off, where to do the plan, all right? So where, where do you want to do this? 
The last place you want to do your planning is in your office, and here's why. Number one, it's a place you do business. Number two, for some of you, it's really a negative anchor. It's not inspiring. It's non-inspirational. It's cluttered. It's noisy. It's chaotic. The phone rings. You have email there, and it's just not, it's not a happy place, right? So I've always said to all my clients, except for very, very few exceptions, please do your planning out of the office. Take what you need, right? Uh, this year's plan, your results, whatever KPIs, key performance indicators, clients, households, new assets, referrals received, all that jazz. Call, get it together, put in a file, get out. Go somewhere, whether it's you got a, play, a room in your house that feels good to you, or maybe a deck if the weather's nice, or the lake, or the library, or Panera. Uh, you know, I've got a client who um, he's done this for years, 15 years, as a matter of fact, almost maybe maybe more than that. Uh, he goes from uh, New York, JFK, to uh, Los Angeles and uh, hangs out there in the, in the Sky Club. And then he flies back to New York with his miles. He, he's done that every year because he finds that 30,000 feet is when he does his best thinking. And every year he's done his plan and every year he's achieved his goals. So I guess we're a bit superstitious, right? Uh, if it works, it works. And actually this year on Sunday, I'm going to Los Angeles uh, to go visit some clients. So uh, I'm going to now give that a whirl and do my planning actually at 30,000 feet. And I'll let you know how that all goes in a couple of weeks. Um, the bottom line is just don't do it in your house. Don't do it in your office. Don't do it in places where, you know, it, it's just not where you, it, it's just you're not going to get your best thinking. You're not going to be in the right frame of mind. You know, the reason why, even though I have everything online, I still host business planning events, business planning retreats, is people tell me, hey, you know, if it wasn't, it wasn't, if it was for coming here and making the commitment, it probably wouldn't get done or it wouldn't get done at the level. So make sure you find an environment, okay? Very important. Now, next thing you do is that you've got to determine how you're going to approach setting goals. You know, how much, and, and this is something I want to spend a little time on because, you know, everybody's got their thought process, process on this, and I want to give you mine. Um, first off, we have to recognize that in our industry, this is an industry of variables. And let me give you some examples. We have, the biggest variable we have is the markets, Right. We could have a good year in the markets. We could have an okay year in the markets. We could have a bad year in the markets, right? That's a variable. Number two, the clients. Some of our clients may have huge liquidity events. Some may have estate planning needs, or we may, or we may have none of that, right? Third variable, referrals. Any marketing you do. Every new household you get. One new household could be a million dollars of assets. Another one could be 100,000. One could be 5 million. One could be 500,000. So point being is there's just there's a high level of quote-unquote randomness, right, to our business, and, and you have to accept it. So my belief is and my suggestion is do not do what I call absolute fast, uh, pass-fail goals. Now, what is an absolute pass-fail goal? It is when you say to yourself, I want to do a million dollars next year. I want to go bring in $12 million of new money. I want to go get 12 new households. I want to go generate X, right? And so, in other words, it's finite. It, it's, you know, either you, either you do it or you don't. Pass, fail, right? And I find that's a very flawed process. Um, it leads to a lot of problems. Number one being, when you realize that you're not on track, you tend to abandon things. So here's kind of the game. If you're setting goals and they're pass-fail, and come the end of the you know, first quarter, you're not on track, most advisors abandon what they're doing. 
and they go back to the default. They stop reading their plan, they stop doing things like that, and you know what, it just doesn't work. So what I want you to do is think in terms of ranges. So I always say to my clients, hey, what's the minimum acceptable range on everything? So what's the minimum? And then what's the brass ring or the outlandish goal, the stretch goal, call it, you know, whatever terminology you want to put on it, you know, what is that goal? So for example, if we're going to take that million dollar number again, um, and maybe the person the year before did 700,000. So we'll use this as an example. So I would look at this and say, well, you know, why don't we do this? Is a million the, and this is the question I'd ask, is a million the minimum acceptable or is that the stretch kind of brass ring goal? And they'll most likely say that's a, you know, that's, that's, what I, that's what I'd really like to do, which that tells me not to stretch immediately. Um, I said, great. So what's the minimum you'll, so what's the minimum, minimum you'll accept in 2016 to feel like you had a win? Check the box, right? And on that, maybe they'll say 800,000, 800, right? So an increase, you know, a, I don't know, 10% increase, 12% increase, whatever it is. And I'll say, great. And then the stretch goes, so anywhere between 800,000 and a million, we check the box. And you go, yeah, that's exactly right. That's great. And then I'll go, how about new, new households? And I'll get another range. Assets, I'll get another range. If you're doing premium, then you'll do another range, right? And you want to do that because that way if we have a, you know, conditions aren't right, some challenges happen, you're just not engaged, you know, we have the low end of the range we can shoot for and still feel pretty good about ourselves. It's the game, right? So that's what we need to do. So I need you to set ranges on everything. Now, some of you sit there and ponder, say, well, Joe, what's a good range? How do you kind of come up with that? And look, I don't know your business, but I'll give you what I consider to be my global starting point. Okay? Now, this is for a mature business. So, so this is not years one to five in your, in your career. This is if you're past five years. Okay? Minimally, and look, I don't care if you're in the business six years or 60 years. Minimally, 10% growth on the top line. So what's the top line? Obviously, the revenue side. Minimum 10%. I usually like to go for anywhere from 10 to 20 percent. Okay, I'm comfortable with that, depending on certain factors. Now, why minimum 10 percent? Well, there's a thing called attrition. Clients will die. People will leave you for no, no reason. You have RMDs to deal with. So I always say factor in 5 percent attrition. 5 percent attrition every year. If it doesn't happen, you're just ahead of the game. But factor that in, because a lot, a lot of advisors. Don't factor that in. They just, they just assume everybody's going to stay, nobody's going to die, you're never going to get fired, or you're never going to fire anybody. And that's just not reality. That's not the way this business operates. So I want them to fix factor 5% attrition, 10% minimum growth will give me 5% net growth. I feel good about that, as a minimum. If I do 20% real growth, 5% attrition, and my 15% net growth, I feel good. Okay. So again, guidelines without knowing anything about your business. So that's number one, is I want you to set guidelines. All right, Come up with that. Now, what should you set goal? What should you have some goals around? Now, again, not knowing your business, I'll say obviously I kind of gave you them, right? Um, I always want to track the following. I want to have a gross number. If assets matter to you, I want that. And be let's talk about that for a second, though. I don't like the concept of net new. I think that's total BS in this industry. I think the firms are really just being dumb about it, and here's why. Net new means market goes down. Clients take money, RMDs. It's really not reflective on your marketing and business development effort. So if you bring in $20 million because you're great at referrals and you do some great networking and stuff like that, but you had one of your clients decide they were going to build their you know, $10 million house and they needed their money, 
and you look only up in that new 10, well, is that an accurate reflection of how your business really is? It's not. So you always want to set a goal around attracted new money, whether that new money comes from new relationships or upgrades from current relationships, right? You always want to do that. Um, if you're in the business of, uh, in the senior market where you may have some annuity business that you do, whether it's variable or fixed, um, obviously you're going, to set a, you're going to set a goal around that. Uh, new households, new clients, we're always going to set a goal around. And, and look, I don't have a number for you. Uh, I would say when I take a poll uh, every year in my business planning event, uh, most people in that room will tell me between 12 and 18 new clients a year is kind of their sweet spot. If you're in the ultra high net worth space, it's probably closer to 6 to 12, right? It's rare that I have somebody who wants 24, 50 new households. Um, you know, it, it's just rare unless you're really in startup mode and you have, or you have a big team and you've got a lot of you know, seminars or marketing going on, then yeah, maybe. But typically, if I had to just put a number on average, I would say 12 to 18, okay? What's the next goal we want to set? Well, we're going to want to set how many names are we going to source via referral? We're going to want to do that. And you know, I, I make this comment every year. I'll make it here on this podcast. If you have between at least 100 clients, 100 households, uh, I believe it's possible to source 50 names in 2016. Now, when I say source 50 names, everybody starts, usually when I do that live, people's eyes light up. I'm just saying is that over the course of time, by being very consistent with referral conversations, introduction conversations, that, and doing client events, bring a guest, so on and so forth, that we'll, we'll, we'll get access to 50 people that our clients know, half of which will not be qualified, but the other 25 will be, and ask yourself this question, if I have 25 qualified, economically and emotionally qualified people who were referred by my clients, what's my rate that I will go ahead and get them to say yes to me? You're probably going to say at least three quarters of the time. Well, there's my 12 to 18 new households. And I know it sounds overly simplistic, but the best strategies are really the simple strategies. And we, in our intelligence in this business, overcomplicate things because we're barraged by ideas, strategies, we may miss out on something, and it's not necessary, okay? So those are just some goals I want you to set and take a look at this. Now, what are the next thing we need to take a look at? Well, we have goals, so the next question I'm gonna ask you is why? So what I'm gonna ask you to do is for every goal that you write down for 2016, and by the way, I know we're focusing on the business, you can also have health and fitness goals, personal development, there's a whole series of things, right? But any goal you write down, number one, only write down the must. So here's the key thing. Don't write it down, I'd like to, because I see this all the time, and you, you, wanna, you wanna get me agitated? Write the words like, I'll try, I should, that really kind of, because if you write it that way, it has no meaning. It's, it's a guess. It's a hope, right? So only write down those things that you're absolutely committed to. And then after you write those goals down, then right below it or aside or wherever you want to put it, again, assuming, I'm assuming you're not using our stuff. You're using your own you know, kind of blank sheet of paper. Then what I want you to do is write a couple sentences or a paragraph on why it's an absolute must. So sell me on it. You know, what's the compelling reason to do this? Why is this an absolute must in your world? What do you gain? What does your family gain from it? Because if you don't have enough emotional reasons to do this, you won't, over, you won't overcome those issues that are holding you back. So every goal 
must have an emotional set of reasons why it's a must. If you can't come up with them, guess what? Probably not a good goal, probably why it hasn't happened before, okay? So that's important. What's the next thing you want to take a look at from a business planning perspective? Well, you know, I, I believe in this, and by the way, so I'll go over the eight, mo eight models we have in a little bit, but you know, let me cover this piece. We also need to take a look and come up with what I call our personal slash professional development game plan. So I call it PD plan. Now, what's a PD plan? Basically, what are the areas of your life personally and professionally you need to improve? And then what's the budget for it? Examples. Do we need any designations? Do we need any training on technologies, anything like that? Uh, do we need to get organized? Do we need to go hire you know, a personal trainer, a nutritionist, a fitness coach, right? Do we need to do things like that? Uh, I've always said, and I know some of you have heard me say this on other podcasts, I've always felt that you need to take between five and 10% of your revenue, net or gross, I'll let you decide how you, how you like things to flow in your brain, and you make that a very specific line item that you must invest every year in you. That's where you get the best training, the best seminars, the best coaches. You know, every year my PD budget goes up and I'll tell you what, it's pretty interesting when you sit there and say, man, I got, I got X amount of dollars to go spend and I better go spend it. And you go find the best of the best and you have the budget to do that, right? You can go hire the best personal trainer, the best this, the best that. You need to remember this. And this is lost, by the way, in our industry. And I know we all talk about plan, you know, I mean, all the noise, right? For, you know, planning-centric, client-centric. We do all these things, you know, uh, that we tout uh, our process, our client service, our team. All that is really secondary when you really boil it down. You, the human being, or the first product they buy. And if you don't think that your product, you, is at its best, its ultimate, its highest, you'll, you'll struggle selling it. So you must invest in yourself. If you don't like the way you look, you don't like the person in the mirror, because you don't look successful for whatever reason, maybe your physical appearance, your wardrobe, whatever it is, right? Fix it. Don't sit there and say to yourself, you know, I'm going to do all these great goals in 2016 and I'm going to be the same person I was in 2015. It will not happen. Here's the stark reality. If you want your business to go to the next level, however you define that, you, the person, the human being, must go to the next level first. Your business follows soon thereafter. It is not the other way around. We are not running General Motors, IBM, Microsoft. You're the product. You're the business. Let's keep that in mind. So I've got a personal development game plan, right? Uh, next thing we're going to take a look at is, well, everybody's favorite, right? Marketing, business development. So how are you going to generate revenue? How are you going to generate business, right? That's everybody's uh, conversation usually. Well, let's look at this. My, the way I view it, there's only two ways to, to grow a business. Grow a practice. A, get more clients. B, get current clients to do more business with you. That's it. There's not a third way, right? So on new clients, as I mentioned earlier, how are we going to generate introductions? 
How are we going to generate referrals? How are we going to generate those opportunities? And, and look, I'm not going to sit here and belabor it because I don't want to do a three-hour podcast today. Um, there's some e-learnings on practice power. There's a couple free ones on there. Just go look. Uh, you can take a look at referral gathering. Uh, this industry makes this like, a, like an 8,000-pound boulder when it's really a little rock. We, 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 we make this thing so big, it's ridiculous. And you know why we do? It's our own fears, our own psychology, our own feeling of inadequacy. Have we done a good job for a client? I'm lucky to have them. Do I really deserve her name? I mean, all this junk, right? It's got nothing to do with the letter or script or anything like that. And, and you know, I, I kind of take issue with, with consultants that run around the country, um, you know, charging thousands of dollars to do what I can tell you to do in five minutes. Strategy, look, strategies are easy. The psychology is the issue, right? Totally is. Introduction gathering is not a system. It's a mindset. You can get any system you want about anything. Here's the truth in our industry. You have a problem, there's somebody willing to sell you a solution. And you'll pay a lot for it. Chances are it won't fix the problem because it's treating a symptom, not a cause. Okay? So referral gathering, right? That's how we're going to generate a lot of our new business. How are we going to, now, how are we going to generate optimization? I said there's two ways, right? So what's the second way? We have to go get current clients to do more business, right? Now, I know, I know most of you will sit and say to me, because I've, I've heard it for almost a quarter century, Joe, I know where all my clients' money is, or I have it all, or I've done a really good job on that, and stuff like that. And I always say, humor me. The only way you know for certain on that is either A, you ask them, and you hope they don't lie to you, or B, you have an updated either A, financial plan, or B, at minimum, a accurate net worth statement. Unless you have those things, you are guesstimating. You're working on goodwill. Quite frankly, you're, you're taking it for granted. You're not running a protocol. So where does optimization happen? Optimization happens as part of the review process. As we're going over our clients and we're updating their net, their net worth statements or their financial plan, we now have the opportunity to look for liquidity events, outside assets we did not know about, right? All those things. And we make the compelling argument case, if you will, to bring it all over here, let us work with it, so on and so forth, right? So optimization. And then what's the third piece? Social media. Social media is becoming a bigger and bigger part. So, you know, there are chunks there. You've got to sit there and say, okay, what is my personal development? What's my, excuse me, what's my business development game plan? How am I going to go ahead and source new ways of business? And, and let me also say this as a tip. It is much more impactful economically and result-wise to be excellent at a couple things and not dabble in many things. So I don't know your business. But I'm going to give you what I would consider to be, at minimum, the four, four legs, the four economic drivers to grow your business. I've already given you the first one, which is referrals, introductions. That has to be everybody's lifeblood, right? I've never gone to a, to a meeting, a speaking engagement, a training when I've asked the question, does, it, does anybody disagree with the statement? Getting qualified referrals and introductions from my happy clients is the best way to grow my business. One out of a thousand, because they're weird, would say, oh, I don't like that. Everybody agrees, but then here's my next question. How much time, money, energy, effort do you focus on that? See, that's my huge disconnect in the industry. 
we'll all sit there and, because we're all bright, say, of course, Joe, logically, of course referrals are the best way. But then I sit there and say, well, what's your budget? What's your time? What's your strategies? What's your focus? What, 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 what do you do? And they look at me like, like, what are you talking about? But I'm going to go spend $10,000 on a seminar system or on this marketing system, right? But you just told me this is the best way. So either A, you're lying, or B, you're not aware, right? So make that a real commitment for yourselves in 2016. Make 2016 the year of the introduction, okay? Second marketing lake, just mentioned, optimization. You know, deepening my client relationships, doing a better job there, right? Really making sure that I have all their assets, I either directly or control how their insurance is done. Uh, I may do lending, I might do financial planning, consulting, whatever it is, but you know, I'm the quote unquote one-stop shop, right? I need to optimize. What's the third avenue? The third avenue we're going to have, we're going to have our online presence. So that's our newsletter. That's our website. That's our social media piece, right? That's the third way. Now, does that drive business directly? Sometimes it does. Most of the time it doesn't, right? The industry, our industry is still trying to figure out what to do with all that. And quite frankly, for a lot of, a lot of you, uh, you are really fighting a battle with two legs and one arm tied behind your back because of compliance. So you're at a disadvantage to a lot of other industries. Except you know, we can complain about it. It is what it is, right? So social media piece. So that's awareness. That's branding. That's uh, you know attraction marketing. All that third leg, right? Fourth leg, events. Client events. Now, it doesn't always mean client appreciation events because this is where I think we kind of get sideways here. I'm a huge fan. I've had this tested. We've tested this over the last couple of years. And if it's executed properly, uh, it is a tremendous thing to do. And I'll give it to you because it's the holidays and why not? So I love hybrid events. So what's a client hybrid event? A client hybrid event, it could be either a fun or educational event where you invite clients, you encourage them to bring a guest. Now, how do you encourage somebody to bring a guest? That's a great question, right? So here's a little added bonus for you here. What most advisors do when they do a client event is, A, they'll put something, in, they'll put something out there, they may call, because uh, maybe they don't want to deal with compliance, or they'll do email invites, which is fine, and, and, or maybe they'll even do a little bit, you know, put something in the, like a flyer in the, in, in, the, in the newsletter or just direct mailing, stuff like that. The best way that I've found to get the highest instance of clients bringing a guest to an event is spend the extra 30 or 40 dollars go online you just google them you'll find plenty of places you can probably go down to the local staples or quick print shop or kinko's get tickets made like any like a, like any ticket so a concert sporting good uh, a sporting event anything like that and when you invite your clients send two pairs of tickets psychologically Human beings don't like things to go to waste. Two sets of tickets. God, we got to find someone to take with us to this, right? That will be the best way to do it. So that's number one. Then number two, why do we call it hybrid? It's clients and guests, and now there's a third category. You, the advisor, invite your prospects, the people that maybe you were referred to but couldn't get the yes, or you met and you couldn't get the yes, or maybe they came to another event and you couldn't get the yes, you invite them to come as your guests. You send them a pair of tickets. Say, hey, look, I'm hosting, I'm hosting this uh, client educational thing or client fun thing, and uh, I'd love you to come as my guest. Okay? Now, why do I want prospects coming to a client event? Very simply. Our industry does not allow you to get endorsements, testimonials, 
all the things that have high levels of influence with people. You're just not allowed to, right? So what happens in these events, the guests talk to your clients. Who's the common, what's the common thread in the whole room? You. Your clients will endorse you, will offer testimonials to you, will say things and sing your praises at such a high level that you would never, A, say yourself, B, it would be coming inauthentic if it came from you anyway, and they will influence the prospect to want to hire you. Because why does a prospect come to a client event? Because they got nothing better to do? No. They have a sincere interest, but they also have a high level of fear and uncertainty. Even though they like you, they always say, well, how do I know? They talk to enough clients, they know. And then they want to hire you. So educational events, hybrid events, at least once a quarter, right? Very important. Also, and this will probably be another podcast, virtual events, very, very important to do if you have the capability to do so, okay? So let's continue on some business planning. Now, what else? So after, so really, you know, we got, again, I'm kind of giving you the big chunks, the goals, the personal development game plan, and how we develop business, right? Um, I'm going to walk you through my modules real quick, so just so you get a feel for what I look for. Um, globally in business planning, you know, where I differ than everybody else in the industry is that, and this was my epiphany about a decade ago, when you focus on a business plan, you get a business plan. Here's the problem with that. You're the business. You're not an entity. You're a human being. You have a life. So instead of here's my business and how do I make my world fit around it, the better question is what kind of life and lifestyle do I want and then what kind of business do I need to build to facilitate that? It's a very different distinction. So what I do is module one is all about your life and lifestyle. What do you want to accomplish? How do you want to live? Bucket list, things like that. And by the way, you can go into practice power, module one, it's on me. Cost you nothing. No credit, nothing. My gift. If you did nothing about that, if you did nothing about that but that, your business planning process would be that much better, okay? Now, what's my module number two? We get into you. How are you wired? What's going on in the headspace, right, between the ears? You know, what are our beliefs, empowering, disempowering beliefs, values, rules, fears, issues, bad habits, all the stuff that you have to work on, you have to change, you have to evolve, right? Because here's the reality. Module two is the reason why module one has not already occurred for you in your life, right? Module three, abundance. And I could probably spend a whole podcast on this. We are a very messed up profession. Here's why. A lot of people in this industry walk around making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in the top 1%, top one, half of 1%, and they feel like failures. It's not enough. I'm not succeeding. I could take the median, I think the last time I saw the median, I don't know whose survey it was, but the median financial advisor income I think is like 143 or something like that. And, and uh, we all know there's the multi, multi-million dollar people and then people that barely eat by at 30, 40 grand. I totally understand that. But the median is about 153. And that's three times on average the median family income in the United States, 3X. What a great place to be. Yeah, we complain about it. We worry about it, right? 
So module three is all about abundance. All right. Module four, we like to talk about is our is our personal development game plan. Module five is goal setting. Module six is our five-year strategic plan. Module seven is our one-year plan. Module eight is our business development plan. Eight modules, right? Now, again, you don't have to use mine. You can do whatever you do that serves you, but here's what I'm going to say. Make sure you think a little bit about your ideal life and lifestyle. A little, some paragraphs on that. And like I said, you can, look my, you can look at my stuff online as a template. That's cool. Number two, you better take a good look at yourself and figure out what changes you need to make because that's the bottom line. Like I said, you want to elevate your results next year, you need to elevate yourself first, okay? Number three, make sure you're abundant. Make sure you're grateful. Look, I don't care if you had a crappy year. Unless, unless you made less than the um, you know, national median income of a family of four, which is plus or minus 50 grand, if you made over 50 grand this year, be grateful. Okay? Drive around, take a look around, you know, you know get, get your head out of your tail and take a look around at the less fortunate. Be grateful, right? Four, what's your personal development game plan? What are you going to do to make yourself better? What's the budget? How are you going to do it? Five, goal-setting workshop. Take five, ten minutes and just brainstorm personal, professional goals. That's why I don't want you in your office. Not conducive, right? Six, I want you to come up with a five-year vision, personally and professionally. What do you want your business to look like in five years? Revenue, clients, team, all the above, right? That strategic plan, that five-year snapshot. Seven. What do you want to accomplish next year? Now, in terms of the number of goals, real quick, I usually work with a maximum of five. So you can have a revenue goal, some personal, personal goals, and maybe some other thing. I only like five goals. Here's why. Because I, I think when you, get, when you get wider than that, you lose focus. I want the five, I want the five must things. So when I do like business like goal setting, I'll have people write goals down for like 15 minutes, and, and we'll do it live, and I'll push people through it. And then what I'll have them do, I'll have them select five. I call it the lifeboat. You can, only, you can only save five of the goals you wrote down, which are the five you want to save. And then let's make sure they're one year's. Make sure, let's break them down to one-year goals for next year. Those are the five we work on, right? And then you come up with your marketing plan, okay? So just want to give you some tips. Hopefully this was helpful. Now, as I said, as I wrote in my little note here, um, the next two Fridays are holidays. So my plan is, to drop you something uh, the week of New Year's. So next week, I'm going to take a little sabbatical, work on my own plan, get ready for 2016. But I'll drop something to you probably midweek, uh, the, week of th- uh, the week of New Year's. So uh, look for that. And uh, as I always uh, say, please share the wealth. If you like what you heard today, get it to your friends and colleagues in the industry. Like I said, I really... Uh, I love what I do. I love giving back. It's been a fantastic, uh, you know, almost 25-year ride for me uh, as one of the first coaches in the industry, uh, probably one of the longest tenured now. Um, and I like to give back. That's why we don't do marketing on here or a lot of offers or anything like that. I just want to provide you value up front, okay? So with that being said, I want to wish you and your families a wonderful holiday season. I hope that you look back at this year and find the wins. And I also hope that you look forward and say to yourself, this is my time.
whether you're two years in the business or 40 years in the business, next year can be your best year. Okay? So, see you soon. Thanks for listening, and uh, see you in about 10 days or so.